Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Last, we- uh, last week, all last week, I was at a conference in Atlanta, Hotlanta. Any Atlanta fans? And actually, I know that there are some folks who join us on the live stream from Atlanta, so feel free to say hi, ATL. Um, so it was this, it was called the Awaken What's Possible Conference. This was the Christian Leadership Forum. And I was there with Giancarlo. Say hi, Giancarlo. Yay. And our new summer intern, Chloe from Duke. Hey, Chloe. Yay, yay, yay. And okay, listen, it was an amazing, and by the way, for those of you who are joining us on the live stream, the the obviously selfie picture is the three of us. Um, so this conference was like, what is the future of Christian leadership and imagination? What is the future of the church going to be like? How do we disentangle ourselves from the trappings of the church of the past in order to create the church of the future? And gosh, you can talk to John Carlos and Chloe about it, but it was like, super diverse, like racially super diverse, and it was very queer. It was like super de duper queer. Like it was like default was queerness. And then we're like, oh, you're, so, oh, you're like straight. Oh, wow. <laughs> so what is that like? Like, is that, did you, like, how did you know? I have friends who, I have friends who are straight. So I like, I hear stories. No, but yeah, no, but keep going. I read a book, I read a book once. So the default was queerness at this, at this conference, and it was just an amazing prophetic time for people who grew up in the church or in a religious tradition who loved God and said, we believe that the future of the church is something that we're going to lean into. We're not just going to be scared of. We're not just going to let the narrative of what it means to be Christian be defined by white nationalists. We're rather going to define a new Christian identity that defines a new world that we want to live in. We're claiming our agency in all of this. And gosh, I got to tell you, uh, if I were an institutionalist, I would be peeing myself <laughs> with this gathering. <laughs> like, for real? If I was like, my job is to preserve the church as it showed up in the 1950s and specifically the white church, <laughs> like, I would be like, uh-oh, this is a major threat. Like, this is a big old problem because this powerful gathering of people who are imaginative, creative, and motivated is gonna change everything. I mean, like, John Carlos and Chloe, that, was that the impression you got? That's the impression I got. Like, it was so, so, so powerful. Um, and so I just felt like, um, wow, this is like a, 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 a glimpse of what is becoming, like a glimpse of, of what it means to be in faithful community together, a reconstruction of what it means to love God. And like, sometimes I got a name Building new places to worship God will always cause weeping and rejoicing. Will always cause weeping and rejoicing. We heard this in uh, the reading from Ezra, that as folks were rebuilding a temple, there was weeping and rejoicing. A little bit of backstory. So uh, the, the Israelite nation, the, the, a lot of the like, Old Testamental stuff, um, those folks 
were in a land, and that was a land that was promised to them by God. They got there through Moses. You might have seen like Prince of Egypt or a little bit of like, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And, um, and so they were like, this is our land, and, and Jerusalem is our place, and we're building a temple. Wow. Uh, however, as folks kind of got comfortable in the land, as they became privileged in the land, as they started taking the land for granted, we start to hear from the prophets that they weren't really like doing the thing that God had hoped that they would do in this land. And so we hear from one of the prophets, Jeremiah, what God wanted folks to do. Here's uh, Jeremiah uh, 22. The Lord proclaims, do what is just and right. Rescue the oppressed from the power of the oppressor. Don't exploit or mistreat the refugee, <laughs> okay? The orphan and the widow, don't spill the blood of the innocent in this place. If you obey this command, then through the gates of this palace will come kings who occupy the throne of David, riding on chariots and horses along with her entourage and subjects. But if you ignore these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this palace will become a ruin. Okay, is this not just like real like road trip parent energy where it's like, I swear, if y'all don't get in line, if y'all don't quiet down, then we are turning this around. We are not going to Disneyland anymore. God is like, I swear, even though I gave you this promised land, even though I envisioned a beautiful world for us to live together, I swear I will turn this around unless y'all start, start treating people right. Unless you create justice, I am turning this around. Uh, Jeremiah conveys to us how God is always, in the imagination of God, there is always faithfulness and justice intertwined together. There is no love of God without a love of a just society, and there is no pursuing justice without understanding how we love God, because God is our basis, our belovedness, our grounding, and how in the world are we supposed to build anything up if our basis, our grounding, is not solid? And so the, the prophets, all of the prophets, including Jeremiah, remind us this, but, okay, so that's Jeremiah 22. Fast forward, and Jeremiah's like, I have a prediction. Here's my prediction. That you all are not going to get it together and we're going to be exiled. That there's going to be another, you know, the Babylonians are going to come on in and they're just going to mess up everything and we're going to be scattered in a diaspora all throughout the land. That there was a promise of exile, but the displaced people will return to their homeland. And Jeremiah gives a number to it. He's like, Seven, in 70 years, you know, we've had a little bit of time out. We've gone to the gas station and have a, had a little chance to run around a little bit. Then we will have a chance to come on back home. Coming home is an important theme of the Judeo-Christian spirituality. Coming back home to the land. Coming back to where God intended us to be. Coming back home to ourselves is an important part of spirituality. If you don't want to come back home then you probably aren't going to like Christianity very much because what we are offering is a spirituality that invites folks, invites the displaced, invites the diasporic back home. And so we go to this here flesh as a text 
as a, as a prophetic text to remind us that even when we are displaced out of our home, we can come on back into our home and build up something new. Cole Arthur Riley mentioned that text in Ezra to name that sometimes we have to reconstruct things in ways that will bring both weeping and rejoicing. Can you imagine uh, having, I mean, there were folks who like had seen the way that things used to be and then being sent away for 70 years and coming on back and seeing folks try to reconstruct something but it not looking how it used to look. The, the, can you imagine the nostalgia that folks had of like, well, but it, it used to be this way, or, or remember back in the day when, when we really felt confident about God? Remember when we were having like spiritual mountain moments where things were very simple and clear about how we were supposed to love God? Remember those olden days? And, and I imagine that folks now having experienced the exile were a little jaded. I don't know if any of you have ever been religiously jaded before, but a little bit like, oh man, things, are, things didn't turn out how we thought it would. God didn't do exactly what we thought God would do. Or maybe we kind of got ahead of ourselves or got caught up in our own kind of obsessions. And, and now we're coming back and we're seeing this temple, but it is not the same. And sometimes for folks who are in a deconstruction state, you kind of weep for, for what was. You kind of weep that, that you no longer have that sense of like simplicity or, or kind of a confidence. You kind of weep that there's not that sense of clarity about who God is and what you're supposed to do. It used to be so crystal clear, and now maybe it's not as much. And, and, and this here flesh is to say that reconstruction is possible. You know what this here flesh reminds me of? Um, it, it's kind of like... like um, so whenever you go to your friend's kitchen and they have like a fresh kitchen, have you ever been to a friend who's like really good at like keeping a home and, you, and, and it's like, wow, this, this is like a, yeah, okay, we're, we're seeing each other, nod to each other. Um, your friend who has like a great kitchen and then you come back home to your kitchen. You're like, what is that? <laughs> and it's kind of like that like a mystery, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I did not cook tomatoes recently, and yet all I'm smelling is like acid. What is that? And you kind of like go rooting around, and it's like, no. And you, you know what I'm talking about? Like you open each individual box, and it's like, no. Nope, that's how the cornflakes are supposed to smell. You kind of go through your fridge, and it's like, wow, still there. And, I, and you kind of wipe out the fridge, and it's like, wow. It still smells like like uh, like like Nickelodeon slime time. <laughs> like it's like something really really funky is going on that is not serving me anymore. And 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 sometimes it gets so bad that you even have to like pull the oven out. You know what I mean? And see kind of like what got dropped down there. And maybe like the the food that was dropped down there at one point was good for you, but now it has become rotten and so. So like terrible, so so um, uh, so harmful for you that it's like, oh dang! I didn't even know that this was here. We gotta clean that up. And what I wanted to do with this here flesh is to like give a little whiff 
of what a fresh kitchen smells like so that when you are considering what your belief systems are, when you are considering the faith that you grew up with, the church tradition that you adhered to earlier, then you might be able to sniff a little bit and be like, you know, something feels a little off. Somehow, like, the relationship that I have with my body or my community or my queerness or my uh, romantic partnerships or my relationship to sex or my relationship to overwork or my relationship to codependency or my relationship to men, somehow, like, something a little rotten has gotten in there. And, and, and sometimes, like, we need to smell something fresh to know that we have to move the oven out to just to, like, take a deep wipe, <laughs> a deep wipe of our theology. And so, uh, next week, we are going to be launching a sermon series. And can I get a drum roll? Next week's sermon series will be, da-da-da-da! The Deconstructionist Journey. Yeah, because listen, we're, <laughs> we just had a chance to live into this here flesh a little bit, and that was good, and we had a chance to see like, wow, it's so nice that Cole Arthur Riley can wax poetic about what it means to follow Jesus, and like, wow, this is really like helpful and good. But now we got to get into our own stuff, y'all. We can't just like outsource our beliefs about God, <laughs> we have to get to, down to the, the, the uh, very like under oven of like what exactly it means to be living your life. And this isn't just about like academic exercise, by the way, I have a degree in theology. This isn't about like, oh, how are we going to make a systematic theology that matches the eschatology of the, no, no, no. I'm talking about like how you live and move and breathe in your day-to-day -day life. Your theology impacts everything. Because if you believe that you are not worthy of love, that is going to infect everything. If you believe that you uh, deserve community and that, that our world deserves justice, that is going to impact everything. If you believe that there is a God that we can hope in, even when our circumstances feel hopeless, that changes everything. And we got to deconstruct a little bit of what is rotten in our theology in order to reconstruct something where we can show up to the world as a renewed person. Because ultimately, folks, I want to know if our reconstruction is going to be something that our children will weep or rejoice over. I want to know not just the church that we are going to make, like, yay, whatever, yay, we're all together, but what is the legacy that we're going to leave on? What is the next generation going to say about how we worshiped God? What is the next generation going to say about discovering belovedness in community that changes the world? Because if we're not going to do something that impacts the next seven generations, then let's just go home now. <laughs> you know, like, the whole purpose of all of this is that we are creating a spiritual gift to our future, a legacy that allows people to continue to love God, to find hope in hopeless situations, and to believe that justice is possible. This is what it means to be a community of faith, and this is why we are here today. And so I invite you to come back next week, and we will begin the deconstructionist path together. Amen? Amen. 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 Give it up for God.